And open your Bible, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. Le damos la bienvenida esta noche. Le invitamos a abrir su Biblia con nosotros en Deuteronomio, capítulo 8. Now, if you are studying at home, I invite you to join me as well in your Bible in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. As we come to Bible study tonight, we come and we expect God to speak to us from His Word. And someone said, Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. He humbled you and let you be hungry. He fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the life-giving power of your word. Tonight, as we come to the scriptures, I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach and teach the word of the living God. And I ask also that you would anoint the hearing of your people, that they might hear the word and receive it, that it might bear much fruit in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. We began talking last week about this passage of scripture, very often quoted in the uh, ranks of the people of God, and one which Jesus himself quoted when he was tempted by the devil. It's a reality uh, for all of us that we must never forget, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What does that mean? Well, it basically means that man lives in a natural world, and that he needs the natural uh, world and the the food and the water and the uh, provisions of the natural world. But that is not the only world he lives in. In fact, there is a world that supersedes that. It is the spiritual world. And this world, a a world which uh, you and I cannot see, it's invisible uh, to the naked eye, but it is a reality. All of us are spiritual beings. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And the part of you that will live on forever is your spirit. And that spiritual part of man and that spiritual reality is nourished by the word of God. It's nourished by God himself. I explained to you last week and I'll remind you so that those of you who weren't with us can have a a, a mental picture of this. That when God created man... He created him with three things, or by three things. First of all, he created him by his word. He said, let us make man in our image. And so you and I are creatures of the word of God. And let's say that together tonight just to affirm it. I am a creature of the word. Then the Bible says that God took man and he formed him out of the dust of the earth. That's the natural part of man. And he formed him with his hand. In other words, God shaped man with his physical touch. And in that sense, man is made by the hand of God. And then he breathed into him the a spirit of God. And, uh, and man became a life-giving soul. And so we are made by the word of God, by the hand of God, and by the breath of God. Fuimos hechos, fuimos creados por tres cosas. Primero, la voz de Dios. Dice la escritura, Dios habló y dijo, hagamos al hombre nuestra imagen y semejanza. 
Y ahí vemos a la creación del hombre a través de la palabra de Dios. Y usted y yo somos criaturas de la palabra. También el hombre fue formado por la mano de Dios. Y Dios tomó polvo, formó al hombre y fuimos tocados por la mano de Dios y formados por ella. Y luego le dio el soplo de vida y aquel espíritu vivo entró al hombre dando vida a aquel hombre y se hizo un alma viviente. Entonces el hombre existe en esta naturaleza, pero existe también en lo espiritual. The reality that Moses talks about here and that Jesus later quotes is that man does not live merely by the natural and if man focuses entirely on the natural, he'll miss out on the greater and more important issues of life. El hombre no existe simplemente de lo natural, sino de lo espiritual. Y su, su, si su enfoque es simplemente lo espiritual, lo natural, entonces pierde el gran valor de su vida espiritual. Now this is not to mean that the natural part of you is not important and that is not important to God. Eso no significa que la parte natural del hombre no es importante o que no sea importante para Dios. Jesus taught us to pray and say uh, in the in the often quoted Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Jesús nos enseñó a orar por el pan diario uh, o el pan nuestro de cada día. God cares about your natural needs. Dios a Dios le interesa tu vida natural y tus necesidades naturales. Él nos enseñó a orar diciendo, danos el pan nuestro de cada día. But the point is that if you only get daily bread, the natural bread, if you only get the natural things in life, but you don't nourish the spirit within you, then you are uh, missing out on the complete package that God has for your life. Y si solamente comemos de ese pan diario, pero no damos a, a alimentación a lo espiritual, entonces perdemos parte del de total que Dios tiene para nosotros. So tonight, I want us to do a deep dive into uh, hearing the voice of God. Entonces esta noche vamos a hacer un estudio hacia uh, la profundidad de escuchando la voz de Dios. And I want you to know from the outset that hearing the voice of God is a part of and ought to be a part of the daily experience of every believer. Escuchar la voz de Dios debe ser parte y puede ser parte de la vida espiritual y la vida diaria de cada creyente. You say, well, pastor, I haven't been a Christian very long. I have not been to seminary. I have not read the Bible cover to cover. I don't know all the ins and outs about being a believer. I just, I just uh, got started in walking with God. Or maybe you say, pastor, I, uh, I don't have all the qualifications and probably God doesn't have much to say to me anyway. Now the fact is that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That includes you. And he wants you to be led by his voice, to be sustained by his word and by his voice. Dios quiere que usted y yo seamos uh, alimentados por su palabra y por su voz. Now naturally, the first place that we find the word of God is the Bible. El primer lugar, el lugar um, más grande, primario, donde recibimos la palabra de Dios es la, 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 el, el, la Biblia. Uh, the, but the Bible is uh, not the only place that you and I uh, can receive God's voice. We receive the voice of God in our inner man. 
También recibimos la voz de Dios en nuestro hombre interior. And when you have heard the voice of God in your inner man, and you, you read the Bible, the Bible will let you know whether you've heard from God, or whether you've heard from yourself, or whether you just had a, uh, a crazy thought. Now, cuando usted recibe la voz de Dios en su hombre interior, la Biblia le va a confirmar si usted uh, si escuchó la voz de Dios o no. And so the Bible is the final test. La Biblia es el examen uh, o eh, la prueba para saber si hemos oído de Dios. But you say, Pastor, why, don't, why do I need to hear God's voice? Uh, quizá alguien pregunte, ¿por qué necesito oír la voz de Dios? Well, there are some things the Bible doesn't specifically talk about. For example, uh, maybe you have two job offers. And you can't open the Bible and find out which of those two job offers you're supposed to take. And some people say, well, I know, I know a way. I just pop my Bible open, put my finger down, and whatever the verse says, that's God's word for my life. Everybody say no. No, the Bible is not some magical book that you just uh, use as a, a Russian roulette and try to figure out what God is saying to you. Uh, in fact, there was one man who did that, and uh, he put his hand down in the Bible, and it said oil. So he went and invested in oil, became very wealthy. Someone else heard about that. They did the same thing. He put his finger down and it said that, Ju that Judas hung himself. And he probably figured out, okay, this is not how God wants to talk to me. And that's the fact. You don't use the Bible in that way. So there are some things that you need to hear from God directly. And once you believe you've heard from God, then you go to the Bible and the Bible will confirm whether you've heard from God or not. Say amen, somebody. Because the word of God is the will of God. And so tonight, uh, I want you to go just a few chapters back in Deuteronomy. And we're going to begin our study of the voice of God in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Vamos a comenzar nuestro estudio esta noche. Unos capítulos anterior al que hemos leído. En Deuteronomio capítulo 5 y el verso 22. We'll start at verse 22. And I want you to study with me so that we can see the difference between the voice of God in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant and the voice of God today in the New Covenant and in your life. Vamos a ver la comparación a la voz de Dios en el Antiguo Pacto y ahora la voz de Dios en el Nuevo Pacto y para que usted y yo entendamos ¿Cuál es la profundidad de este privilegio? I want you to understand with me what is the depth of this great privilege that you and I have to be able to hear what God would say to our heart. Let's read. Uh, now, keep your Bible open. We're going to go to various places. Deuteronomy 5, verse 22. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain from the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick gloom, which the great voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone, and gave them to me. And when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice in the midst of the fire. And we have seen today that God speaks with man, yet he lives. And when, and then, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. And if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer, then we will die. 
For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and live? Go near and hear all the Lord uh, your God says. Then speak to us that all the that all that the Lord your God speaks to you and we will hear it and do it. And the, the Lord heard the voice of the words of those who spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of his people, which they have spoken to you. And they have done well in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they would have such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that I may, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. Go say to them, return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, that I may speak to you all the commandments and statutes and the judgments which I shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I gave them to possess. So you shall observe to do just as the Lord your God has commanded you, and you shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that you may dwe- uh, be, that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land, which you possess. All right, now let's get a picture tonight. God calls the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He brings them to a mountain called Mount Sinai. Dios ha sacado, ha liberado a Israel de, de Egipto y los trae a un monte, el monte Sinaí. I want you to just understand that God generally brings us to a mountain because God's Desire in your life is to bring you up. El deseo de Dios es traerte hacia arriba. Así que uh, siempre Dios nos trae a un lugar de altura. That mountain represents the fact that we sometimes have to leave the low places in life and go up in our thinking and up in our living. Tenemos que subir en nuestro pensamiento y subir en nuestra, en nuestra forma de vivir. This was called Mount Sinai. Eso se llama el Monte Sinaí. And when, when God comes to visit Israel, cuando Dios viene a, a visitar a Israel, His glory comes down upon the mountain. Su gloria baja sobre la montaña. Now it's really something uh, incredible to consider. I, I doubt I could possibly explain it to you any better than Moses does here. But it was a sight that was at once awe-inspiring and as scary as it could possibly be. Cuando Dios bajaba sobre el monte Sinaí, en un instante, ese momento era a, a, asombroso, era glorioso y también un, un momento lleno de terror para el pueblo de Dios. The people were amazed and they were afraid. El pueblo estaba en admiración y estaba en temor. Why? Well, look at what he, how he describes it. In verse 22, he says, He came down on the mountain in the midst of a fire, of a cloud, of a thick darkness, and a great voice. You can just imagine the mountain covered with fire, and then uh, amidst the, the fire, the cloud, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God and then a great darkness and uh, a great booming voice. 
When you read about this in the book of Exodus, you read that the mountain shook at the presence of the Lord. Dice el libro de Éxodo que la montaña temblaba a la voz y la presencia de Jehová. Y ahí escucharon la voz de Dios. And then they heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire. Ellos escucharon la voz de Dios que venía de aquel monte que humaba con fuego. Y les había encargado Dios. And God had, in, uh, had commanded them saying, don't touch the mountain. Dios le había dicho, no toques el monte. Don't even let your livestock touch the mountain. Ni siquiera dejes que uh, sus, uh, sus animales toquen el monte porque van a morir. If you touch the mountain, you will die because of the presence of the living God. Vas a morir por la presencia ahí del Dios vivo. Sounds pretty scary, doesn't it? Es algo temeroso considerarlo. And then we read in verse 23, And when they heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, he said, You came near to me, all the heads of the tribes and your elders. Now this is what happens in the uh, occasion when God meets with Israel for the first time. Este es el primer encuentro con Israel y Dios después de haber estado en Egipto. I can assure you, that in all of the decades they spent in Egypt, they never had an experience like this. They never saw any of the Egyptian gods even come close uh, to being able to uh, cause a mountain to shake uh, before the presence of the living God because they were dead gods. But now they were in the presence of the living God. Ahora están en la presencia del Dios vivo. That's why we're talking tonight about his voice. Because we're not talking about a dead God. We're talking about a living God. And a living God has a living voice. And he wants you to hear him and to know him. Say amen, somebody. El Dios del cual hablamos es un Dios vivo. Por eso hablamos de oír su voz. Porque alguien vivo tiene una voz viva. Y esa voz la cual hizo temblar el monte Sinai. Now here's what the people did. First of all, they were in amazement. They said, now, then, uh, we have heard the voice of God and we didn't die. This is amazing. Ellos están admirados en el verso 24, porque no murieron al oír la voz de Dios. Behold, the Lord your God has shown us his glory and his greatness and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire, and we have seen today that God speaks with man, yet man lives. So there's a, a reality that sets into their hearts. God speaks, and when he speaks, you don't necessarily die. All right, this is, uh, this is what we expected. If we ever heard God's voice, we'll probably die. And then they didn't die. And so they realize the, the fact that God condescends, he humbles himself so that man can experience him and not die. Dios uh, uh, se baja al nivel del hombre para que el hombre lo escuche y no muera. I, I want you to just let that set in tonight because you can hear the voice of God. Si puedes oír la voz de Dios. Now let's, let's take verse 24 in, in 
in a, a few phrases here. Vamos a ver el verso 24 en unas uh, frases aquí. They saw his glory. Vieron su gloria. The, the glory of God is basically God's fame or God's goodness on display. La gloria de Dios es la fama de Dios en, uh, en nuestra. Es la, la, la gloria o, o la grandeza de Dios en nuestra. Friends, when you and I learn to live by the voice of God in our life, this will have a glorious outcome in our life. Cuando aprendemos a vivir por la gloria de Dios, por la voz de Dios en nuestra vida, esto tendrá un resultado de gloria. God's people living by God's voice will see the glory of God. El pueblo de Dios, viviendo por la voz de Dios, verá la gloria de Dios. How many of you want to see his glory? ¿Cuántos quieren ver su gloria? His glory is the natural result of a people who have been in his presence, who have heard his voice, who have obeyed his command, and who have done what he has spoken them. Dios aparece en su gloria cuando su pueblo se muestra a ellos. How many of you would like God to show off in your life? To show how good he is, how powerful he is, how mighty he is. Hasn't he already done it? His glory follows when his people do what he says. And then it says, and his greatness. So now they're getting a glimpse of how big God is. Ellos reciben una revelación de la grandeza de Dios. Now this is the, 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 the beauty of hearing the voice of God. Esa es la belleza de oír la voz de Dios. The voice of God, listen now, one word from God will get rid of fear in your life. One word from God will bring you peace. One word from God, the moment you hear from God and you realize, whoa, God's bigger. God is bigger than my problem. He's bigger than my dream. He's bigger than my challenge. He's bigger than my hopes. And one word from God will just put all of that to rest in one moment when you hear from God. And how many of you have had that experience that you're troubling about something, you're worrying about something, you're fighting for something, and then God speaks and the moment God speaks, you realize he's got it. God's bigger, God's big, God's great. And he's going to manifest himself in my life. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. Now don't discount this for a moment because fire is the picture in the Bible of God's purifying work in our life. Aquí vemos la, la, uh, el fuego que aparece en el monte. Y vemos ahí que el fuego en la Biblia es el símbolo de la purificación de Dios en nuestra vida. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Nuestro Dios es un fuego consumidor. Do you realize that God requires us to live in holiness? Dios requiere que usted y yo vivamos en santidad. The Bible says, uh, uh, God speaking, be holy as I am holy. Dios dice, ser santo como yo también soy santo. And he has given you 
the Holy Spirit, te ha dado el Espíritu Santo for the purifying of your life, para la purificación de tu vida. That Holy Spirit which came down on the day of Pentecost and appeared to men as fire. Este Espíritu el cual se manifestó como fuego en la vida de aquellos que fueron bautizados por él en el día del Pentecostés. God's Holy Spirit, God's Holy Fire is manifest in our life by the voice of God. La voz de Dios nos purifica. God cannot lie. Let me say that again. God cannot lie. Dios no puede mentir. His word and his voice purifies our life. Su palabra y su voz purifica nuestra vida. And he will discern our thoughts in ways we can't discern them. El discierne nuestros pensamientos en la forma en la cual no podemos discernirlos. This is why, incidentally, many people don't want to hear the voice of God. Por eso, entonces, muchos no quieren oír la voz de Dios porque ya decidieron cómo ellos quieren vivir. Y no quieren que Dios les diga que están mal. Many people just shut off the, their ear. They don't want to hear God's voice because they already decided how they want to live. They don't want God to tell them how to live. But God's voice will purify your life. La voz de Dios purificará tu vida. The voice of God will tell you, you need to repent. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to be more generous. You need to slow down. You need to hurry up. You need to get right. It will purify your life if you listen to God as he speaks to your, to your life by his spirit. And then we read there, and we have seen today that God speaks with men. Say that out loud. God speaks with men. Now, of course, we understand we're not talking about God speaks with men and not women. We all got it, right? God speaks with mankind. That ought to blow our minds. Eso debe causar gran admiración cuando leemos que Dios habla con los hombres. God, who has existed eternally, has no beginning and no end. He has no maker. Nobody made God. Nobody invented God. God has always been God. And God is a self-reliant, self-existent, being, he doesn't need us. He didn't create us because he was bored or because he was lonely and because he needed us. He created us because he wanted us. Say amen, somebody. And God who needs no one and God who doesn't need our company, God who is eternal speaks to, to men. And what is man? Man is a, a, a being who has a beginning and a natural end, and man has a, a, a very limited and finite existence. And yet God condescends, he comes down low to speak to us. It's like a, a four-year-old at a funeral 
asking you, where's grandpa? Why is he in that box? What do you have to do? You have to get down on their level to try to explain an incredibly difficult, profound concept. And if you can imagine having to do that in natural human terms, you can more or less get an idea, get in the neighborhood of what it means for God to speak to man. He has got to come way down to our level. Dios tiene que, que venir bajando hasta nuestro nivel para explicar cosas eternas a un hombre finito, un hombre que no es eterno, un Dios increíble y indescribible ahora se humilla para hablar con el hombre friend can, can I just ask tonight whether or not God merits your time when he speaks será que Dios merece tu tiempo cuando él habla do you think God merits our attention when he speaks oh the answer must be yes and amen. God, if anybody in life deserves our ear, it's God. Si alguien merece nuestro oído, nuestra atención, es Dios, el cual se ha venido para, a nuestro nivel para hablar con el hombre. Now, verse 24 is groundbreaking and it's, it's really solid. But verse 25 and 26 shows us how fear comes into the picture. Ahora, en el verso 25 y 26, vemos como el temor entró al, al cuadro. Now then, why should we die? Who's talking about dying? You just said, God speaks to men and they live. Who's talking about dying? And Israel now is going to allow fear into their relationship with God. Why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer than we will die. Dijeron, ¿Por qué moriremos? See, Si oímos la voz de Dios, más que esto, vamos a morir. There's a church here tonight. Now, look up at verse 22 real quick. This is Bible study, right? So we can study the Bible. Verse 22 says, and he added no more. Dice el verso 22, y él no añado, añadió más. So, who's he? That's God. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Uh, in total, he gave Israel 613 individual commandments on Mount Sinai. And then he added no more. So God was done talking. But what are the people saying? I can't take it anymore. If he says another word, we'll die. You've got to be careful that you don't let fear into your relationship with God. No dejes que el temor entre a tu relación con Dios. The Bible teaches us that 
There is one thing that can invalidate the word of God in your life. La Biblia nos enseña que hay una cosa que puede hacer inválida la palabra de Dios en tu vida. Now, you, you, you and I should stop and say, wait a minute. What could possibly invalidate the word of God? Y ahí debemos decir, bueno, espere un momento. ¿Qué podrá invalidar la palabra de Dios en nuestra vida? Well, the scripture says that our traditions have made the word of God of no effect. ¿Qué dice la palabra? Que nuestras tradiciones han hecho la palabra de Dios sin efecto. Tradition is any idea, not just, you know, the, you know, the tradition of a Christmas tree or the tradition of a, of, of a wreath on the door at Christmas. None of, that's tradition, but tradition is really basically any mindset. Or anything you ascribe meaning to. That, that God says when you allow your mindset, your tradition, your ideas to get in between you and me. You make my word ineffective in your life. Cuando dejamos que nuestras tradiciones entren. Nuestras maneras de pensar. Nuestros, uh, nuestra manera de ver las cosas que entre a nuestra relación con Dios. Esto hace que la palabra no tenga efecto. And so you'll hear people say, well, the Bible says this, but I think this. And that makes the word of God ineffective in that area of their life. Cuando alguien dice, bueno, la palabra de Dios dice esto, pero... Yo creo así. Entonces, ¿qué hicieron? Ya hicieron la palabra de Dios sin efecto en su vida. And that's what Israel is doing in this moment. They're saying, we can't take it anymore. If God says another word, we'll die. Si Dios dice otra palabra, entonces vamos a morir. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking in the midst of the fire as we have and live? And so what do they do? Verse 27, they tell Moses, you go and hear from God for us. Ahora, ¿qué hacen? Ellos van y le dicen a Moisés, vaya usted y escuche la palabra de Dios. Go near and hear all that the Lord God says. Then speak to us all that the Lord your God speaks to you. And we will hear and do it. Just imagine the trade they're making. What are they doing? They're saying, we don't want to hear God for ourselves. No queremos oír a Dios por nuestra propia oído o entendimiento. Ve mejor usted. Vaya usted. You go. And so here, they put a, 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 put a man in between them and God. Ellos ahora, ahora ponen a un hombre entre ellos. Dios. Church, God wants to speak to every one of his children. Dios quiere hablar con cada uno de sus hijos. There should be a roaring amen. But if you and I will let things get in there, and uh, whether it be tradition 
or whether it be fear or whether it be whatever uh, you and I have heard throughout life that has sort of filtered into our spiritual understanding, then we can end up with other people becoming the litmus test for us as to whether or not we've heard from God. And you and I have to have this understanding that you are a priest before God. God has given to every believer the opportunity to enter into his presence and to hear his voice. Jesus said it. I quote it again. My sheep hear my voice. And so now Moses becomes the voice of God to them. And and here is born the the office of the prophet. Because now uh, Moses is going to be God's prophet. He's going to become God's voice to them. And they're going to put on hold the opportunity to hear God speak to them for themselves. And in verse 29, God says this. And just, just, if you ever, if you ever want to know what God's expression is, what His hope for your life is, here it is. Oh, that they would have such a heart. Can you imagine God saying something like this? Oh, if only my people would have such a heart as this and would fear me and keep my commandments always. What's God saying? He's saying, if only I could keep this moment with Israel that they're in right now where their faith is complete and and they know that my word is, is life to them. But he knew that they would depart from his word. He knew that they would go and do other things. And that they would pursue other gods. And that they would would allow tradition to come into their life. But here you have the pure uh, expression of God's heart concerning you. Oh, that you would have a heart for him. And you just hear God say it over your life. I'll insert my name, you insert yours. Oh, that Isaac would have a heart for me. Ahí Dios expresa su, su deseo para tu vida en el verso 29. Y dice, oh, si, y yo voy a poner mi nombre y usted ponga el suyo. Si Zach tuviera un corazón para mí y me temiere, and he would fear me, he would reverence me and do what I say y hiciere lo que yo le digo then it would be well with him and he would prosper forever entonces le irá bien y prosperará él y sus hijos para siempre Come on, guys. God just gave you a recipe. He just gave you a formula for how to live well and prosper. He says, make me the center of your life. Give me your heart, your whole devotion. And and fear me, reverence me, and do what I say. And it will go well with you. And you and your sons will prosper forever. That's what God would like for Israel, but it's not what He's going to, that's not what Israel is going to have because they will not give Him their heart and they will not 
do what he says. This ought to serve us as a warning tonight, shouldn't it? That you can be at the very edge of the mountain of God and miss the opportunity by letting your own tradition get in. Because, you know, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Well, I asked one time and nothing happened. What'd you just do? You inserted tradition. Does that mean somebody? By your stripes you're healed. Well, my grandma died of sickness. What'd you just do? You inserted tradition. And you're telling yourself, God's word's really not always true all the time. And God says, oh, that my people would give me their whole heart and their whole faith and would do what I say. Then they would prosper forever. And so you can be just that close. So what does God say? Verse 30. It's so sad, but you almost kind of have to laugh. He says, tell the people, go to your tent. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You're out of the meeting. You're now dismissed. Dile al pueblo que se regrese a sus tiendas, a sus casas. Ya no voy a hablar con ellos. Anybody ever been dismissed from a meeting? And they, they kept talking. And the conversation went on. And you weren't, in part, you weren't a part of it. You weren't included. God says, okay, you don't want to hear my voice. Then you're going you're gonna to be over there. And I'm going to talk to Moses. And he's going to the go, be the go-between, you and I. But you won't hear my voice. Vete a tu tienda. Allá, quédate, porque ya no voy a hablar contigo. Ahora voy a hablar con Moisés, porque no has querido mi voz. Esto nos sirve de buen, de buen uh, aviso de que debemos apreciar la voz de Dios. We, we ought to take a, a, a warning from that, that God values people who value his voice. Dios pone gran premio en personas que ponen gran premio en su voz. He says in the uh, book of 1 Samuel, when Eli and his sons were backslidden priests, he said to, to the little boy Samuel, he said, go and tell them that I will honor those who honor me and those who despise me, I will greatly despise. Now, just, just think about what's going on here. This is, this is the parents telling the children, this is the adults telling the children, go to your room. We're having an adult conversation right now. Why? Because you despised this level so go to your room. We'll call you when it's your turn. Come on, nobody wants to be in their room, right? Nobody wants to be missing out on the action. But what's God telling you? He's telling you that you have to embrace his voice because that's the route to maturity. Este es el, el camino a la madurez espiritual. Cuando apreciamos la voz de Dios. 
Entonces aquí le dice, es como los adultos decirle a los hijos, váyanse a su cuarto hasta que terminen. Los, los adultos estamos hablando ahorita. And then God proceeds to speak with Moses. Y ahora Dios continúa hablando con Moisés. Now remember, what did I tell you? This is, this is the voice of God under the old covenant. Esa es la voz de Dios bajo el antiguo pacto. Is the church here tonight? All right, let's go to Hebrews. Vamos a ir al libro de Hebreos ahora. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebreos capítulo 12. So what happens? Israel has now lost touch with the voice of God. They now have to hear God's voice through a prophet. And the prophetic office is not a, a negative thing under any circumstances. But it wasn't God's best for them. You follow me? El profeta no, no era algo malo, era algo bueno, pero no era lo mejor. What do you, what do you like? Do you like someone to tell you the movie or you like to watch the movie? Y'all don't watch movies. They're too sanctified. Let me try a different one. Do you want someone to tell you what the book's about? Or do you want to read the book? Do you want someone to tell you what God is saying? Or do you want to hear what God is saying? See, God's best is for you to hear his voice. To read his word and hear what he's saying to you. To hear the preaching of his word and hear what he is saying to you and know that was God speaking to me. And to be able to discern the, the design of God in the particular season that you're in. And so I have good news for you tonight because there is a, a change that has taken place. You and I live in the new covenant. And so we read in verse 18, Hebrews chapter 12, for you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire and to a darkness and a gloom and a whirlwind. What mountain is that? Sinai. Everybody say, what mountain is that? What did he say? You have not come to Mount Sinai. Say amen, somebody. You haven't come to Mount Sinai. He says, because that mountain was a blazing fire, a darkness, a gloom, a whirlwind. We know what that is. The blast of a trumpet, the sound of the words, which sound was such that those who heard it begged no further word be spoken to them. So here he's talking about what we just read. For they could not bear the command. If any beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. You know it's bad when even the preacher is scared. This is scary business talking to God. Fire and, and earthquake and, and noise and the penalty of death if you, if you do the wrong thing. But you have come. Aren't you glad today that God has, has brought about a change? He's, he's brought about a but, a conjunction. That means he's turned the direction of things. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. 
who come to a different mountain. It's still a mountain. Listen now. It's still a mountain. God still wants you to rise. Say amen, church. God still wants you to come up. It's still a mountain, and it's still the voice of, the, of God. Aquí vemos, no hemos venido al monte Sinaí, sino que hemos venido al monte Sion. Es, es otro monte, pero si, sigue siendo un monte, y sigue siendo la palabra de Dios. So get that picture in your mind. You're not hearing a different God than they heard at Sinai when you hear the voice of God. It's the same Father. The same God speaks to you in this new covenant reality. He says, you have come to Mount Zion. What is Mount Zion? Well, Mount Zion particularly is the city of Jerusalem. And Zion specifically is a mountain, is a, a little hill within that a, a city, a part of that city. El Monte Sion, que es la, la ciudad de Jerusalén, y es, el Monte Sion es parte de, de la geografía de Jerusalén. If you go to Jerusalem, you have, you have the Temple Mount, you have Mount Zion, you have the Mount of Olives, all of those, it's, it's a collection of hills. And Mount Zion is exactly the place where the Holy Spirit came upon the church. El Monte Sion es el lugar donde el Espíritu Santo descendió sobre la iglesia. And it's in Jerusalem where Jesus becomes the mediator of a new covenant. Es en, en Jerusalén donde Jesús es el mediador de un nuevo pacto. So what's he talking about? He's saying, you have not come to Mount Sinai, and you haven't come to Moses, and you haven't come to that desert mountain off in the, in the desert of, of Sinai, but you have come to the place where God has revealed his son, Jesus Christ, and poured out his spirit. You've come to a place where grace has been made available to man through the shed blood of Jesus. You've come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the myriads of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn who is enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. He's talking about the church. You've come to be a part of the church and to be a part here and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Here's what, here's what he's saying. You, you've come to Jesus the same way that Israel had to go to Moses. Now you come to Jesus. They had to go to a man. You come to a man. But that man was, was touched by the Spirit of God. This man is God. You've come to Jesus. You've come to the second person of the Godhead. The eternal Son of God. You've come to God Himself. And, and friends, this is ultimately what God intended all along. He wanted man to come to Him. To hear His voice. Jesus said it. Third time I quote it tonight. My sheep 
hear my voice? Do you hear the heart cry of God tonight? He says, I want you to be mine and to hear my voice. To be led and directed and comforted and strengthened and empowered by my voice. You've come to Mount Zion and this ultimately represents the gospel. You've come to Christ. What is he? The mediator of a new covenant. We've come to Christ, the mediator of a new covenant. The old covenant was a covenant based upon man's ability to keep the law given to them at Mount Sinai. The new covenant is based on man's faith in Jesus. Have you come to Jesus? Have you come and made Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Pastor, what does that mean? That means that you recognize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that Jesus is the Savior for sinners. The only Savior for sinners. The reason Jesus died on the cross Friends, was because of our sin. And sin had separated us from God. But Christ has come. And through the shedding of his blood has made a a, a door of access to the living God. By which you and I can have the forgiveness of our sins. And we can be born again. And our spirit which was dead to God can now become alive to God. Now we enter into a new covenant. a, a, A covenant if you put it real simply, is a relationship that's agreed to. And God has entered into a relationship with man through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And this covenant is better than the old covenant. The old covenant depended on man's ability to perform. This covenant depends on the performed work of Christ. The old covenant depended on whether or not man could. And this covenant depends upon what Jesus has already done. The finished, complete work of Christ at the cross. Is the church here tonight? You've come into a new covenant to the sprinkling of blood, which speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Has venido al nuevo pacto. Y al derramamiento de sangre, la cual habla un mejor, una mejor cosa que la sangre de Abel. Now, let's just think about that for a moment. The blood of Jesus has a voice. La sangre de Cristo tiene una voz. It's not necessarily the voice we're talking about tonight. In a sense it is. But what, what the writer of Hebrews here is telling us is that when when Cain killed Abel, God came to Cain and said, Cain, Cain, you've killed your brother. His blood is crying out to me. And what do you think that blood was crying out for? It's calling out for judgment. It's calling out for vengeance. But now the blood of Jesus also has a cry. And this is a better cry. And what do you think the blood of Jesus is calling for? It's not calling for judgment or vengeance. It's calling for mercy and grace. It's calling for your forgiveness and mine. It's calling for the washing away of our sin. It's calling for mercy 
Thanks be to God, he sent us Jesus, whose blood has been the mercy that we needed and the grace that we needed and the full and complete payment of our sin. See to it then, he says, that you do not refuse him who is speaking. What did they do at Sinai? They refused him who was speaking. Listen, everybody listen. This, this verse in the Bible is, is so emphatic in its message. We mustn't miss it. Beware. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Why, why is it so emphatic, Pastor Isaac? For if those did not escape who refused him who warned from earth, much less will we escape if we turn away from him who warns from heaven. What's the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying they refused God at Sinai and they were unable to escape. If you refuse the voice of Christ, there won't be another voice. Jesus is God's last message to man. And if you reject him, there's no other way of salvation. There is no other voice. And they rejected his voice at Sinai. And they suffered the consequence of that. But you and I, we mustn't miss this opportunity. Because there won't be another. And that voice, verse 26, his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. There's a voice, friends, the voice that is shaking things up, not only on the earth, but it's shaking things up in, in the heavenlies too. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude with which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. All right, let me wrap up tonight by saying this. The voice of God will make your life unshakable. The voice of God will shake mountains and it will shake the heavens. Jesus said, The day is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear my voice. And Daniel prophesied saying that the dead will hear the voice of of the Messiah. They'll hear the voice of Christ. And some will arise to everlasting contempt and others to everlasting life. Friends, what a voice. What an impressive thought. The voice of God Shakes everything, but it will make you unshakable. When God speaks everything that's not essential and necessary for your life 
gets shaken, it gets blown away, and everything that is essential and good and righteous and 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 designed by God for you can't be shaken. And that comes when you have heard from God. When you have in your spirit, in your inner man, you know you've heard the shepherd's voice. And when he says to you, fear not, I am with you. Even if all have deserted you, you won't be shaken. Because his voice is the only thing that can make your life unshakable. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's stand together tonight. Come on, just invite God to speak into your life. Where you are, just lift your hands and just say, Lord, I invite you to speak into my life. When I read the Bible, speak to me. When I hear preaching that's from the Bible, speak to me. When I pray, speak to me. I need to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. Oh, mighty shepherd, I pray tonight... That your people would not be so distracted by the world and its voices as to miss the voice of God. I pray that there would be a rising reverence and fear in our hearts to say, I want to hear and obey the voice of the Father. We're going through shakings in this world. We're going through times of uncertainty, but God has better things for you than that. He has an unshakable foundation for your life. That's why you're still standing. That's why your faith is still intact. That's why you're still able to worship. That's why the storm hasn't brought you down. Because you have received the voice of the Lord. And that voice is... Put steel into your spine. Your spiritual life has has made the difference. Don't let it get watered down. Don't let it get pushed aside. These are not just any words. They are your life.